looking for a way to ease your loneliness and find solace in your everyday routine? Check out the Lonely Lads podcast, made for lonely old lads like you. Join our host, a friendly and compassionate woman, as she keeps you company while you do your chores or simply relax. With her comforting voice and kind words, you'll feel like you have a close friend by your side. Are you listening? I said, are you listening to me? I was saying to you there about Margaret from down the street. You know Margaret, don't you? Margaret? Margaret was married to your man, John. The fella that did 10 years. Well, she dropped dead inside in Tesco the other day. She, apparently she fell off the top shelf. She was going up there for, uh, uh, she was trying to get, the, the, you know, the family pack of Tyler Rose. That reminds me actually, we'll have to go down and get Tyler Rose because we're completely out of them. So why not take a break from the distress of being completely alone and take comfort in the Lonely Lads podcast? Who's drinking all the milk? I, I don't know what's going on with the milk. I'd be buying, I'd buy four litres of milk and it's gone. Tune in today. Anyway, what was I sent to you? And let Betty soothe your soul. You don't be listening to me at all. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Go! Just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. Frontier Day is almost upon us. We are running out of time. Report. Associates of Jean-Luc Picard were unexpectedly firm in their loyalty in him. Don't anticipate them breaking the time we have left. They must. Do not fear me. Your physiology is not as special or complex as you believe. You are by nature malleable, made bandit. Their kind is beholden to a singular flesh. Dismember one from the other. Do whatever is necessary. The hours parking small years. We must have the boy. Or you and your kind will find your own existence meaningless. Hello, and welcome to the Best Bits TV Talk Show, where we talk about a show on TV. This is your host, Will Collins, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Kevin Lehan. Hello, Kevin. Is it really me? Or am I changing? <laughs> Give me some of your juicy, juicy DNA and I'll put it to the test. I'll stick it in a freezer, boil it. Put in a, a Ziploc bag and swing it around in a circle. Put you through some G-forces. We'll find out. Sounds like a good weekend to me. <laughs> we are talking Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 7. And this episode is called Dominion. Directed by Deborah Campmeyer. Written by Jane Maggs. And the synopsis goes like this. 
Crippled, cornered and out of options, Picard stages a gambit to trap Vadik and reveal her true motive. A gamble that puts the Titan in the crosshairs and forces Picard and Beverly to question every moral code they've ever had. And they have some moral codes. That's not in the synopsis, but I'm just saying there's a lot of them. So here we go. Episode 7, Kevin. We're coming towards the end of this adventure. Mm, and it feels it. Yeah, yeah. For me, this is... Uh, I, I feel like I'm on, re- on kind of like stuck on repeat here because I enjoyed this episode. It was just, again, just exciting. It was fun. I'm enjoying these characters. I'm enjoying the tension that's been built. I'm enjoying the some of the reveals that happened in the episode with some of the new characters. And again, a kind of an, another isolated episode where we're, it all kind of takes place in one location at one time, which I was happy with. Two of my favorite episodes have been that way. They've been Raffi free. Raffi free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just stay with the main guys, stay on track. How about you? What did you think of it? Oh, well, ugh, Jesus, I get such a charge off this show. I feel like a kid again watching it. Genuinely giving me such a buzz watching it. And I don't just think that Picard is turning out to be great telly. I think with this episode alone, it's some of the best Star Trek in 60 years. All the movies, all the different iterations. This was a nail-biting episode for me. I thought it was superbly directed, brilliantly written, great performances. There were so many different reveals that came out subtly in the episode that I have to just doff my cap to the writing because they're, they're reveals that I didn't know I needed. Like the reveal of Vadik. Mm. I don't want to get ahead of us, but this was a 10 out of 10 episode for me. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Wow. Oh my God. This is sounding like your favorite episode of the season so far. I genuinely was tense and on the edge of my seat watching this episode. And I did cry during this episode as well. Wow. When Jordy was saying to Data, he was pleading with him while his daughter was about to be killed. And he couldn't save his daughter. And that was happening while Picard and Crusher were interrogating Vadik. And it was just getting more and more tense. And I really thought that Sydney was going to get killed. And he was pleading with him and telling, trying to get through to Data, through lore, and saying, we don't get second chances in life, Data. And it's like, you made me a better father. You made me a better man. And I was just like, this yeah. is what I wanted out of Nemesis. I was so overwrought watching it. But I thought this... This show, this episode was amazing. Let's get to that beat. <laughs> Let's get to that beat. Because I, I definitely had thoughts on that moment as well. And uh, let's get to that beat. Shall we do our kind of uh, run through of the episode? Yeah, it begins with the Titan hiding out in Chintaka scrapyard with Seven on the bridge. And the camera pushes all the way in on Seven. There's nobody else that you can see on the bridge. She's sitting in the captain's chair by herself and she's talking to somebody on screen. And then I heard that voice mm. and I went, it's Tuvok. And there on mm. screen was Captain Tuvok. And I thought this opening was brilliantly directed. I think this scene was actually my favorite scene in the whole episode. I thought it was excellent. And did you notice the first few notes, the first few bars of the episode were the three, those of three blind mice, which I, I just kind of like. I didn't know so. Like, oh, what is that? Yeah, the first few notes of the episode are three blind mice. And then we go into seven and she's on the bridge. And I, I agree with you. I love the mood that they captured on that it's bridge. really tense, this episode. Yeah, yeah, I love this. And I loved 
seven. Try her ambition here is to try and weed out an ally or f find an ally, and hoping that Tuvok is going to be on her side. And in the background, on tucked away in the side, in the in the shadows, we see Shaw and Esmer doing. They're doing voice analysis to see if that is a match for Tuvok's voice. And Jordi and Picardo yeah. on the other side. And, and everyone is tense, sort of like not wanting to give it away. And and for people who may not have seen it, Tuvok is the Vulcan who was on the Voyager. ship with Voyager, uh, which on Voyager with, with Seven. So they have a long, long relationship. So immediately I was just I was just in. I was in on that. He was the wharf of Voyager. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. Typical Vulcan. And there's a, I, I love that there's two twists. There's two turns in this scene, which I loved. Yeah. The scene where the, the turn where Seven drops. Speaks to, to Seven's intelligence. Yes. Where she drops a kind of a, a clue to see if he picks up to see if he's a changeling. Uh, he passes that particular test where it's talking about like some game they would play or whatever it was. And and then the Voyager theme comes in to dupe us as well to think like, oh, dude, yeah. two Vox on site. Yeah. So I was, I was yeah. like, I was like, yes, cool. And they're talking about Janeway as well. They're meant another mention of Janeway. So yeah. She's going to pop up in this series. If they, yeah. If you call, if you mention Janeway three times in a series, she has to appear someplace. So I'm waiting for her to just beam in. She's just going to turn up and start executing changelings. She loved that when she killed, what's his face? What was the two Vox Neelix character? Tuvix? No, uh, oh God, <laughs> oh God! I only watched that episode recently. She's going to arrive and just be like, "Kill them all, kill everyone." Oh, that ep <laughs> I watched that episode recently, and I literally just went, "Oh, I could, I, I shivered." I was like, "It was." I was on side with her. I was like, "Kill uh, yeah. him, kill him." It was an episode where Tuvok <laughs> and the annoying chef Neelix went on the transporter, and their DNA got meshed together, so they came out as Tuvix, like the fly. Oh, I was. He looked wrong. He looked so fucking wrong. Um, a brilliant moral episode, though, where it was like new life has been formed, and do you have the right to to take it away now? Yeah. And oh god, yeah. Listen, the more the further into Voyager I'm getting, the more of these wonderf wonderful moral episodes we're having. Like you know, Jesus, it's, it's really fucking good. But back with Seven on the bridge of the Titan, as she's kind of doing these kind of verbal tests on Tuvok the analysis in the background is coming coming back inconclusive. So she kind of mm. nods when he passes the first test and then it's still inconclusive. And then she goes, she relaxes and she says something about her getting a neural transplant or her getting some sort of neural transplant back in something. And she immediately turns on that and she's like, a Vulcan would never meet at such and such place. And you would know that. And you did, and, then, and you did that uh, whatever thing to me. And he smirks. Yeah. He smirks at her. That's good. She figures out that the only way he could have known that is if Tuvok is still alive. So that was a big reveal, I think. We learned something new from that, which is like, she goes, what have you done with him? And he says, all I can tell you is when we are done with him, when we are done with all of you, death will come as a relief. And it was really ominous and creepy. And then Picard steps forward and says, where's Will Riker? And then zombie Riker appears on screen and goes, I'm as good as dead, just like you. I thought this is this is fucking cool. This is taking me back to like series one of TNG with conspiracy. Mm. These horror episodes. Yep. This entire season, I we're watching a movie. We're watching a really good. We're we are getting the pleasure of watching an eight-hour movie. It's fucking brilliant. Mm. It's fucking fantastic, and it hasn't let the down. music feels like it's it belongs in a movie. Like the there's a different composer on this one. Sounds it. I noticed uh, the difference. Yeah, Frederick Weidman. He's the, the composer that stepped in for this. And I thought he did a superlative mm -hmm. job. Across the board. I'm actually going to start listening to the score 
on Spotify when I get a chance to listen to scores on Spotify again. Definitely. Ultimately, this scene ends with a really ominous note, which is that entire crew on the Titan now know they are completely alone. They are searching for allies. They have none. Or it feels like that. I noticed the direction on this, that, that it's much more steady than it has been on some of the other episodes. So it wasn't the, as much handheld. The shaky, cam, the shaky cam thing. Yeah, I hate that. It, I fucking hate shaky cam. And one of our listeners wrote in to us. So uh, this is from Karen. And Karen said, just wanted you to know, parenthesis, it, parenthesis, it bugs me too. I recently heard an interview with Freaks and the handheld camera edict came down from the studio that all new Trek series had to use basically a lot of it. They apparently often have to fight for scenes they want to be still. Ridiculous, but I guess he would know. And she says, love the podcast, guys. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, thank you. So it's a house style, but they they didn't adhere to it as much on this episode. And God, I much preferred it. The next scene begins outside the ship and it's looking in through the windows at Crusher, Picard and Geordi in the ready room mm. and you see how small they are in the ship and how isolated they are Yeah, and it's bringing home how alone mm-hmm. they are and they're having a conversation a, a debate pretty much which is what are we going to do now that we don't have any allies and we're completely on our own and Crusher and Picard get into it about there might be a way to identify this new species of changeling, Mm -hmm. but it would mean zeroing in on their biology, which would be breaking a code on her part. It would take them into the space of genocide again. Yeah. And they did that the last time with DS9, where they developed a virus that killed the changelings. And Picard's Picard's kind of, kind of final note on this is basically well let's explore this option until and make a decision later on so let's kick the ball down the road which is a bad thing because inevitably if you kick that genocide ball down the road guess what's going to happen genocide's <laughs> going to happen at some stage you're not going to have the ball to play with yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and, then, and I, I, I made a note I said this is probably going to haunt Picard at some stage in this episode I'm, I'm guessing um, but it's good. It's really interesting because it's it's the the moral dilemma, which is at the core of so many good Star Trek episodes. The moral dilemma: what's the right thing to do in this situation? And we learn through this that Worf and Raffi are off on a scout mission, and they're they're on their way back. And um, I was glad for it again. <laughs> I like when they just focus yeah. on the Titan. Same, same. So much more fun. And also, they posit in this the reason why Picard's body was, sto- was stolen. So they were saying, listen, they're probably taking the DNA from Picard. Picard's supposed to be a part of the... What's the what's the, the, the big celebration day called again? I forget what it's called. Frontier Day. Frontier Day. So Picard's supposed to be a part it's of Frontier Day. It's happening in 36 hours. Yes, time is ticking. And Picard has to do a full DNA scan to be... To, be given access, security access to Frontier Day, whatever part he's taking part in it. So they're speculating that they need his body to get the DNA to create a perfect DNA clone to be able to infiltrate that. That's what I assume what they were saying right there. But they need more information. They need a relative, which I assume is Jack. Mm. But they walk back a few things in this episode. They say, I didn't really understand this, but I trust them implicitly that they're taking you somewhere. But that the Eremodic syndrome might have been a false diagnosis on Picard. Yeah, that was uh, like a little dangly, oh, question mark, question mark, where I went, oh, where's this going? There's something else to Picard that is going to be revealed that, but Geordi 
and Picard go down to Data mm-hmm. um, and they reactivate him. And Data is basically got two personalities in him, Lore and Data. Mm. And B4 is a memory file which can be activated, but it's not a personality file. And uh, there was a bit of a whiff waffy. There was kind of like, but I went, but I accepted it because it was Star Trek whiff waff. Star Trek science talk for the reason why Sun has this partition up. Like it, it was kind of like that. Uh, Jordy explains. Well, Sun put data and lore in there with the hope that a human would a human ent- identity would form naturally. And that for me was just like that wasn't very scientific. It was just like let's throw these two crazy ingredients into a into a pot and see what happens um yeah let's let's make data full schizo yeah be more human that way and he realized it didn't work so he put a partition down the middle so we don't know which one we're going to get so it's he's playing he's playing the two two um two roles throughout this i bet you noticed this because i did adr that was done with jordy yes right in that scene yeah Yeah. there's just a paragraph where he came back in to basically elucidate something and I can't remember what it was but you know he's talking away like this and then suddenly he's talking like this <laughs> yeah it was so fucking clear oh my god I was so shocked that it actually did it was so kind of sloppy that it was so looping is is its own skill but you, it's very hard to replicate the space that you were in at the time yeah. of the original recording and then we cut to Varric on the Shrike and she's talking to the Ghost Rider looking changing emperor yeah and he keeps torturing her I just fucking love Vadik's character. I know Vadik's character. She is brilliant yeah. in this episode. She's so fucking good. There's one shot in here where she goes from being intimidated, and she's genuinely intimidated by this figure that's speaking to her through her through her hands hologram, whatever the fuck it is. And she walks back to her captain's chair and she spins around, and her face is just there's there's terror in her eyes. Uh, her eyes are welling up and you go, wow, this is... this is." And also there's a question raised by the ominous figure that's speaking to her because I was making notes of what he was saying and he said, oh, for you and your kind, you will you will find your own existence meaningless. And I was going, what is he talking So about? he's not a change? Or what I later deducted was that she's different to him. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. one of the... He might be the changeling. The original, let's say... Uh, Dominion uh, uh, Changeling The original bucket Yeah the original bucket Because that's what they were They were in buckets They were transported around In jars and buckets And stuff like that And so, But she's one of the Adjusted or uh, adapted few So we're coming at this From two different Reference points Because I never watched DS9 So I don't know much About Odo Or the Dominion War yeah. So all of this is new to me And I'm just discovering this As it's been revealed to me In this episode And I am loving When I'm learning about The Changelings Um and about her character in particular and about what happened to her. But when they do that in movies and with TV shows, it means that there is something about them that you can almost want to save. Yeah. And that she could be turned. She might not be the all out villain, but she's doing some despicable things. And it's not just her. And, and, and it's interesting because with the, the changelings, they exist in a liquid state. So, the person, the scientist who is doing these experiments on her and her family and friends, just sees that's them, coming up. Yeah, yeah. I want maybe I shouldn't skip ahead, but I found that I found that really effective. Um, so that was one of the moments where I was like talking about the writing in this this episode is so good. Yeah, because it revealed something that I didn't know I needed to be revealed to me. Mm-hmm. It's like it told me why does Vadic look this way? Yes. What's this visage? And for to, to be revealed that she took the guise of the Mengele type Starfleet officer yeah. that 
was whistling while she worked yeah and was like doing all these experiments on this goo and these vials of liquid and I thought thought wow this is great. It's really efficient, isn't it? And it's really relatable. Oh, brilliant. You just go, yeah, I totally get that. And also, I totally get that. I just put myself in the writer's room and go like, that's great, guys. Do that. That's perfect. Like, <laughs> yeah. if we were coming up with that, good I, I was genuinely going like, this is really smart writing. It's really economical. And and I, I'm very cynical about writing these days where I can be ahead of the story and I can see where they might go in the plot strands. You've got like this option and that option and that option. So if, whenever I get sort of caught off guard like with this and it's like it's telling me stuff I didn't know I needed to be told and I'm like oh wow yeah. okay great I was just glad so I got impressive. this I was glad I got this because she was uh, Vadik was a question mark for me and I was wondering how they were going to give her depth because up to this point we just had little snapshots of her but I was drawn into those snapshots because of uh, Amanda Plummer's compelling uh, compelling uh, just enjoyable performance but no we're giving her depth we're giving her we're giving her backstory and also from the point of view of that person that she's imitating that scientist that scientist was just a scientist who was working on these fluids didn't even know that what they were doing was so she probably um, knew cruel yeah she yeah this is the thing is that people uh they were at war at that time weren't they so she was developing a weapon to sort of there was this was the end an existential threat to the federation essentially when because the dominion were coming through the, the the wormhole they're coming from whatever other quadrant they were coming from and they were going to just wipe out uh, everything before them and the Kardashians and the all the other guys were they were under threat as well so <laughs> the Kardashians the Kardashians I always call them the Kardashians <laughs> they are an existential threat to um, all of us Kim and the whole lot they were just shivering in their wealthy mansions uh, so we cut back to Jack and Jack is con- continuing his flirtatious back and forth with Sydney LaForge and they're in the turbo lift we learn there's a new sort of ability that Jack has mm. They've walked back that Jack's aromatic syndrome is what's causing this, and there is more to Jack. That was sort of like a, a placeholder for the last episode, that actually he could be more than what Crusher initially thought, which is just having the same hallucinations that Picard had. Yeah. But there was whispers that he heard when he was in the turbo lift. And the subtitles just said indistinct whispers, but I listened to it back a few times, and I couldn't tell whether it was Vadik's voice Right, I was saying it, or whether it was Crusher's voice again, but the voices said, "Remember me, connect us." Ah, oh, I heard "connect us," but I didn't hear to "remember me." Okay, very good. It's either "return to me" or "remember me." Okay, because but if it's "remember me," that was the Crusher episode where she was in a separate universe. Elaborate. Crusher gets pulled through a portal onto the Enterprise and everybody on the Enterprise is starting to disappear one by one. Oh yeah, that was a great episode. And she's like going, Worf, why are there 1,600 cabins on this ship Yeah, when there's only 300 crew? And he's like, we've always had that many. And she's like, doesn't that seem illogical to you? Yeah. And then saying to, to Picard, Worf, the big Klingon guy? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why is it just the two of us on the ship? That was a great episode. And there was something, I think that episode opened and closed with a birthday party or something like that. It was like, it, it started off really subtly. There was a birthday party and she had a great well, birthday her moment. Old, her old um, teacher from med school arrived. He was this old guy and she's walking with him along the corridors mm. and then he disappeared. And that was the, the trigger for her to go, the guy, we picked him up just an hour ago and he's gone. What do you mean? Mm, yeah, I remember that episode. But, uh, it had a great line in it where she goes, I'm trying to figure this out. And she's talking to the computer and she goes, well, if there's nothing wrong with me, maybe there's something wrong with the universe. 
I'm not the problem. Can I ask it's you? It's the children who are the problem. Can I ask you, right? Because this has been on my mind. Your recall for TNG episodes is amazing. I've watched them recently and I don't remember them in the level of detail. I don't have do. three kids, Will. But no, no, no. When did you last watch that? Just so I'm clear, like you're recalling this from how long ago? I don't know when I last watched it. Several years ago. Several, like over five years ago. Oh, you see, that's mad. I just find that mad. I watched them through the pandemic and I, I, I have a vague recollection of these things. But yeah, I'm just impressed by your recall of like specific lines and beats in, in, in shows like that. It's, it's, it's amazing. But that's interesting. The remember me thing, I think. Uh, and also, so it's implying, I, might, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because something happens between Jack and Crash LaForge. Yeah, Crash or Sydney. Um, he is able to read her mind, like what women want. He's like Mel Gibson all of a sudden to help yeah. And she's like going, well, he's being really flirtatious, but he is charming. But I mean, slow down. Maybe like take it a little bit more subtle. Maybe touch my hand. Touch my hand or yeah. something, something. And then he does that. Yeah. And she gets weirded out and she walks out of the turbo lift and goes, why did you do that? Yeah. So it's like and a betazite. red eyes. Yeah. It's like, but like, that's yeah. like betazite abilities. And there's a line that that's said later on by Vatic and I went, what is she, what's she implying by this? I was like, going, oh, this is interesting. Wait till we get to it and I'll bring it up. That the coming up was my favorite scene. Um, okay, right. Oh, actually, the, the, it's a whole sequence. Mm-hmm. There's like a sequence that happens that I just was like on the edge of my seat because it felt like it felt like something majorly bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. All bets are off. So, right. Yeah, he's able to read her mind. This is something new. It's not just the aromatic syndrome. He goes to the bridge and he says to Picard, can I talk to you a second? Jack is saying, I'm hearing voices. He's like, and what are the voices saying? And he, he won't elaborate. And I, I just love that little scene between the two of them. Everything about the writing here and the writing of their relationship throughout the series has felt genuine. It hasn't felt forced. Yes. How they have gone... It's settled down an awful lot from episode two. Certainly. Where it was that and that antagonistic, I went, oh, is, this, is he going to just... Going, is Jack going to be this cocky arrogant guy who was who just kind of breezes through this entire show with the same tone and he hasn't he actually has come he has been aggressive and antagonistic but throughout their the, the writing of the the, the he's episodes felt boyish to me like, like a like a han solo type ah, and he's now become a son no and it's organically it's not like this heart-wrenching thing it's like organically picard and jack have become father and son and i really i really got it. it from this i really saw like a son dealing with a problem and he's telling his dad he's unloading on his dad and his dad is like listening to him and my dad often says and I guess I should take it on board when I'm doing the podcast but he says um, most problems in life Kevin can be solved by just listening oh yeah that's good yeah that is good <laughs> take it on board Kevin take it on board we should all take that one on board definitely it's great advice. and it's great for acting when you're in performance if you're listening. And then we cut to Vadik. He's, he's off, he's off. What? But Picard has a plan. He says, we can take advantage of this. And this is, I know how we can get Vadik. And I like how Picard, again, is taking the reins. It's him who's coming up with the plan. And we just jump to the next scene where we, we the plan is in effect, in effect. So it's cool. The Shrike warps in. Yeah, and it has that lovely blast beam sound effect. That, that instrument that sounded the V'ger, it's like... It's the sound of the Shrike when it warps in. And they're, they're in open space in the Alpha Quadrant and they're lying dead in the water. And it looks like they've been involved in some sort of battle. And uh, Vadik is like, oh my God, this could be it, lads. The ship is just there. What do we do? 
they listened to, I, I presume this was a play acted sort of comms transmission yeah. where they said we'd shot at them and they've blown up a warp core and, and she's like, oh, that's that's good. But I, I would have liked to have seen that. But the thing about it is, as I was thinking in the moment, I, when I heard this this uh, fake uh, transmission on both sides I thought oh imagine if they actually showed us that it would have taken the seriousness out of it <laughs> it would have, it would been have made it fake comedic. play oh it would be so goofy it would have been like Galaxy Quest <laughs> like everyone fall over oh no oh you know oh god it would be funny to see it Seven so. going that's not very believable <laughs> try it again it's <laughs> Kevin this is actually no we need another take of this and can I get some sound effects over there who's got the soundboard mix Foley okay. where's Foley yeah there you go and also I made a note here and I don't know what specifically I was referring to but I actually made a specific note and said again I love the soundtrack on this episode uh, the score yeah no the music has been great throughout I yeah. have a few moments like that I, this one had less callbacks to the other mm, just the one with movies. the, the fact, Voyager that's the only one I can remember just, yeah this was all the original score and I just loved it so Vadik prepares a boarding party to go on board and um, from here on out the episode is just non-stop and it's just it's like wall-to-wall bangers of scenes <laughs> very good I love that Vadik calls Jack darling boy yeah so Jack appears they 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 arrive on the Titan and Jack appears at the end of the corridor with a blaster in his hand just saying basically hey guys you gotta catch me first and he runs off so he's like the the, the hare yeah the ship looks like most people on board are dead and Vadik says there's there's life forms here they're scattered around like rats and then Jack appears and, and they have a, a, a gentle sort of introduction and she's like darling boy it'd be better to show you than to tell you uh, but I can take you to where you're really meant to be and then he says you'll have to catch me first and he leads them on a chase into several traps that the rest of the crew have prepared and I love the reveal of like going going to like um, Seven and Shaw and they're dropping force beams to lock off different of the henchmen that are like pursuing himself and Sidney LaForge and uh, and Jordi and Alandra doing the same from engineering mm. and they're also still dealing with data isn't it that they're trying to get some information of data yeah data well data's yeah, data's still, still there. Plugged in. He's still plugged in but basically data becomes an agent of chaos in the sequence as well so as or lore does. Yeah, or lore, yeah, exactly. Um, and as they end up, they uh, at the end of this particular first stage of the sequence, they end up segregating and trapping all of Vadik and her forces in like in individual little force cages uh, in little sections of the corridors. And Vadik is in sickbay and she's trapped and then in comes Crusher. And I was like on the edge of my seat thinking, where is this going to go? What's mm-hmm. going to happen here? And I'll tell you what was interesting about it I've never seen two women have this type of scene where a woman is interrogating another woman oh interesting right? I didn't think of it that way yeah it just felt like the energy felt completely different yeah and uh, it's Beverly coming in to this woman has been hunting her son yeah and hunting her and she wants to know why she says what she you says, want yeah yeah and she says she has some good lines in this where she says um she feels her compass is slipping. Beverly says this. Swore, yeah, I, she swore an oath never to, to do harm. But she's really questioning that oath right now. 
Mm-hmm. And then Varric says, um, oh, you've just given it all away. You, you showed me the end game already. Mm. So I know where you're going to go with this. So look, uh, and then Picard comes in and she's like, oh, I get it. So he's going to be good cop and you're going to be bad cop. She doesn't say it that sort of like fastly, but I, I loved this back and forth between the, the three of them, mm-hmm. the parents questioning the person that's trying to capture their son. There was a question that when Beverly asks Vadik, what do you want with Jack? Vadik said something which I, again, had me kind of questioning, okay, what's, what's, what's going on here? And Vadik said something, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, he's not for me. We could bond over that. And he's not really, he's not really for you either. And she goes, what the hell do you mean by that? I just loved the way this scene played out. I thought Amanda Promo was just playing so many different levels that she was... She's what you want out of a villain. She feels dangerous and creepy, but she's also charismatic. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something sympathetic about her where you feel like I could actually reason with her if I could get through to her. She's also in, she's also in control and you feel that... Well, that's she, what Crusher says, doesn't she? She told us nothing that she didn't want us to know. Yeah, that's it. She's very, very controlled throughout this, which is, which is again, there's something intimidating. She doesn't have to shout and roar and, and thrash about. You just no. feel intimidated by her because she's, she's not phased by the fact that all her forces are now effectively trapped away. Um, it's interesting. And it's while this is happening where it feels like Picard and Beverly Crusher have the upper hand, that's when Lore fucks with the but don't you don't you feel in this moment that they they don't have the upper hand oh totally i feel i feel that yeah she's it's so she's well directed tra- in that regard yeah oh i totally feel that and a second she's she's just a moment away there's something's going to happen here she's got another ace up her sleeve effectively and i love the way that that, that she's all, she's anticipating that this is a trap in some way shape or form because she knows there's people in here so it's there's something else that she's got up her sleeve and that's what i like about it and picard and so she tells them who she is and where she came from. And we we get the, the reveal that she took the face of her torturer. Mm. And that's such a creepy thought. Like, yeah. why would you? It's really powerful. Somebody was, yeah, it's really creepy. And, and the the um, the implications of that, it just made, me, just made me think that she's a much more damaged villain than I thought. And she says something in that moment as well. She said, the, te- the Federation took my family. Now I will take yours. Right. Yeah. That was one that one line where I went, Oh, why is she so why is she wanting to enact her vengeance against Picard and Crusher specifically? You know, she it's like she's almost making this a specific thing against them, or maybe they're just like, Well, you're the next best thing. You're the best first family, Federation family I've I've not encountered, but you're you're on my radar. They probably uh, are the first family of the Federation at this stage. Okay. So she's like going, Okay, I'm gonna enact my revenge on you on your particular family I'm enjoying that so I think more has to be revealed basically about Jack Crusher's connection why what's what's going on right there oh certainly they cross cut that with the Sydney and Jack are caught between two of Varric's henchmen on either side yeah so if they drop the force fields on one or the other they're going to get pounced upon so Jordy says don't worry Sydney I'm going to beam you out of there and then he can't do it yeah and himself and Alandra realize that Lore has taken over the ship's security systems and is being what you said an agent of chaos and Seven and Shaw are trying to to counter that and um, this is cross cut with what's coming out with Vadic. so you feel like that 
by lowering Vadik into this position, they've actually trapped themselves. Yes. Yeah. And, that's and I it, think that even Crusher says that when we invited her on board the ship, we invited death on board. Yeah. That's what I loved about this. I, I really thought it was wonderful. And I love that, the, just that sw- s- switching of the force fields uh, where you just realize, oh no, you're fucked. <laughs> you thought you were safe, but no, you're screwed. So I was watching this and thinking, somebody's going to get killed here. One of the main cast is going to get killed. After what happened with Ro Laren, all bets are off. So I thought, okay, either Crusher's going to be revealed to be a changeling or Crusher's going to get killed or Sydney's going to get killed. Something's going to happen here. There's going to be death at some point. Then I thought Shaw was going to be killed. Yeah. Um, yes, that was the one where I actually felt, oh no, he's he's goner. Shaw. He's fucked. And yeah. I was like, don't, don't, please. I like that character. Don't kill him. Yeah. Yeah, Lore is preventing Jordy from beaming his daughter out and she's getting shit kicked out of her by one of the henchmen and Jack can't can't save her. And then Jack mind melds or that, telepathically links. Yeah, that was confusing, yeah. With her. That was awesome though. Yeah. And it was we, awesome because he was then marionetting her. Yeah. We've never he was seen ducking and punching. We've never seen a bit as I do that. We've a bit as I can read people's feelings, I suppose, but we've never seen someone control someone's body so it's a different thing to the to those beta side powers it was exciting though i've often described writing great writing as being like a striptease and it's things get revealed and it's like ooh, nipple <laughs> and this is like this is like my god three nipples wow yeah. um data comes back and he's like i will try geordie and i got really choked up yeah i can understand i thought that. it was lovely I, I thought it was lovely. It was where see. This is I think my difference uh, to your reaction in that particular moment where Geordi's first pleading with Data, uh, and it was it's totally down to the context of how Geordi's doing it because I felt I felt it was so powerful that Geordi is seeing his daughter getting the shit kicked out of her, and he goes to the door and he's there. Data, please, of all these years of friendship, the thing where I felt felt there was a slight. Where I felt it wasn't quite the right time for this emotive bit of dialogue to come out. Life that? rarely gives you second chances to say what you should have said, Data. You made me better, a better man, a better father, a better friend. And when you died, it broke me. Right. I think that's beautiful, right? It is. But what's what's causing him to say that? It's him seeing his daughter. He's trying. He wants him to save his daughter, Right. That's what he's No, but that's, I think you're making that cynical. I don't think it's just that. I think he's saying that you're the only person who can help me at this moment. Okay. My friend. Okay. I buy it. I buy it. I, and I, and I, he's, he's reaching through the darkness yeah. to locate his friend. I thought that and the, it works. the dialogue was lovely. Yeah. And it, and it works. Um, it was just what and drove LeVar Burton's that. performance getting, is excellent. you know, seeing those metallic tears. <laughs> and his eyes I've said it before I can't remember in what's one of the movies where we actually get to see LeVar Burton's eyes I went LeVar Burton has the most wonderful eyes and they've been covered up for they were covered up for seven years on TNG with the, with that visor and I'm well, so he's wearing contacts so they're, they're gonna look like they pop more with contacts uh, yeah but that's a, they, 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 the contacts make his eyes pop even more than they do in real life and it's just it's so I'm so delighted it's, 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 it's great that he's getting this moment and listen I'm not I'm not dissing the scene. I'm not dissing the dialogue. I'm not dissing the writing. I'm just kind of going, oh, if I, I think it would have landed better for me in just a slightly different context. That's all it was. If this you is weren't me. like watching it on your phone, like parked outside the school. No, 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 no. This is like me kind of going, I wish I had the same. This is me saying, I wish I had the exact same feeling that you had 
while watching it and um but still i thought the dialogue was great um i made a note of some of the things that vadik said she goes how remarkable it is that an enlightened species can ignore each other's pain would crusher have done what she'd done to you if she could have felt your loss and then mm. she says to crusher are you prepared to lose another son and she says that when she turns into Jack Crusher and, and she's tormenting them. Yeah. And this is when Crusher is like saying to Picard, drop the force field and let's kill her. You yeah, better just kill I her. Th- I th- and when she says, are you willing was, to... And that was great stuff. I was expecting... I, uh, it might have made the, th- the thing goofy. And I'm wondering what your take on this would have been. That she transmogrified into Wesley. If it was Wesley there. You know the problem there is? It's Will, Will Wheaton. Wheaton. <laughs> that's the problem. Shut up, Wesley. Yeah, that's the problem. And I, I feel so bad for even thinking it. But the problem there is that it's it's poor poor Will. And Will is a super fan and seems to be a really lovely human being. Yeah. I loved in the beat here between Picard and Beverly. Open the door. Where Picard turns to her and says, are you willing to go against everything we believe in? And for me, against our entire moral code. And I, re- this is a fucking huge moment. Are you willing to nuke everything we did on TNG, Beverly? And she's like, if it means saving my son, yes. And she says, I think I'm losing my compass. And it's like, fuck, for these two pillars, for these two pir- uh, moral, uh, you know, like, we've moral never seen these conversations guys. had between these characters. And it really feels like peeking behind the curtain it feels like we shouldn't it's like seeing them naked it's like should we be seeing this I I don't know that they should be having this conversation it feels wrong it feels too exposing that's what's great about it it's like they're they're, it's great they're they're fragile and and Vadik has found their weak link and she's exposed them and god it's good stuff it's really good stuff they're really they're willing to go to go willing to go the genocide route, which is the question that's posed, as I said at the beginning of the episode, where Picard says, We'll kick the ball down the road. And effectively they're yeah. answering the question, Yeah, are we gonna go the genocide route? Yeah, we kinda are. And if the question was were they were they genuine in their belief that they were going to kill her once the force field drop, we see that no, they were. As soon as the force field drops, they both unload on her. They're yeah. both shooting her to kill her. And she turns into, she turns into a snot. And she slides up the chute. <laughs> Slithery goo. Oh, yeah. And um, she's making her way down the corridor. Crusher figures out that there's some sort of element in their DNA that uh, means that they can track them on board. They locate her in the, the hallway as Shaw is engaging them in fire. They kill Shaw's crew and he gets flung into the turbo lift with them as they're heading to the bridge and this felt like first contact first contact with the Borg overtaking the ship Seven is like trying to rally the, the bridge crew to get prepared to, to defend the bridge and it felt really like the stakes just went up 10 levels mm-hmm. yeah they arrive on the bridge Shaw appears to be dead he falls prone onto the the, the bridge with a bloodied head and then the changelings appear and they swarm the bridge and they have everybody at gunpoint and it, they're fucked and Vadik then says to Seven to open a channel to the, the crew mm-hmm. and then she gives her speech and I was just like holy shit this is amazing you have backed your characters into a corner in a way that I don't know how they're going to get out of it and it's perfect 
storytelling. Yeah. You just want to keep making the situation worse and worse and worse. And I can't wait for the next episode. In a believable way. And and everything about this so far is believable. And I'm invested. Really elegantly done. Yes. That's good stuff. It's good fucking stuff. But at least they have that little bit of information. Now they have the, the they have this uh they know they were a part of Project Proteus and they were they had some sort of chemical that's part of their genome. So now at least from the card side, they can track the changeling. So it's a little bit easier for them to identify which person is an actual changeling. So that's good. And it leaves on a cliffhanger. And now I'm I'm still counting how many episodes are left to go. And I'm going, okay, Three. projecting. Okay, we're, are we at the worst of the worst? Maybe we're not there yet. You know, if this is a movie, I'm like going, maybe this is the worst of the worst. I don't know where we are. This is great. From what I've heard, episode eight is jaw-dropper. This is from critics that have watched it. Mm. And um, the next episode, I think, is heavily focused on Riker and Troy on board the Shrike. Oh, and it's Riker a and Troy. What happens? Okay, right, okay. Yeah, I don't want... Because will we find out that that Troy is not even Troy. It should Troy a changeling. Well, Vadik said early on when she was talking to her boss, she said uh, basically Picard's friends didn't break. So she, you know, she alluded to I've basically tried to extract information from Picard's friends who I have, which is which is Riker and Troy. So oh, did she say that when she was speaking to Ghost Rider? Yeah, she said basically, yeah, she said basically earlier on, I've tr- I've tried to get the information from them and they haven't broken. So they have, she's been torturing them. Wouldn't it be particularly interesting to see Riker be tortured and have Troy just have to feel it all? Oh God, wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Oh shit, yeah, that'd be powerful. Maybe that's what we're going to see next episode. I just pitched that in the writer's room when they said, um, it's good, we'll think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I keep imagining what it must have been like to be there, just breaking stories. It's been so fucking exciting. I'm so jealous. Anyway, that was episode seven. This is such a treat for me. I'm loving it so much. Mm. I can't wait for episode eight, which is out next week. It's called Surrender. Only three more episodes to go. You can watch star trek picard on amazon prime and on paramount plus and will it was good to talk to you absolute pleasure to talk to you especially to talk about the series i'm so glad it's not dropped in one go so that we actually can enjoy and relish the series week by week it makes it more special i think definitely definitely just yeah god that's the way the future netflix broke that model for a while and now we've got it back it was good in the beginning to be able to binge something and just watch something on your own terms but now it's like the social aspect of watching telly you want to be able to have that water cooler moment with people it's like have you seen the latest episode or look forward to the next one when you take away being able to look forward to something you just kill the conversation dead it's like 100% yeah 100% it's great it's so fantastic Kevin this has been a pleasure I shall be back next week talk to you soon alright okay good luck Kevin out And here is a clip from the lads' latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits for Will and Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin and Willem. For the films and the, the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us €3. Euro. 
Okay. You can't you throw what? <laughs> oh my god. I I did a whole Irish theme. The best place I can Van Willem talking deviantly. <laughs> okay, right. I'm gonna find the fucking thing. Because it's gonna be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I listened to that some other time. Fuck it, that'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened. I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, of yeah. course, I was delighted with that, and people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It was. It was. It wasn't easy on the ears in a, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug, and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis, or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm 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 Hogus, and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer, the number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly it's good. Digital. So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. Know, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God, I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem about the telly and the latest film. Talking shit at the dynamic duo. Don't forget, now you owe three euro. I come off the stage, old dad. <laughs> That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And does, I, that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be Squat in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, so I'm saying. You just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about should I start the timer? Is this, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare okay. to go. I saw Madam Web. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Web film, and I'm what is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies, but I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago and I thought it was just tedious. It's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel. Is that what Marvel's, well, yeah. she's in it, Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel 2. It was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and Mm -hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films where I feel like Uh, there's nothing organic happening in these 
from the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels it's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like yeah wow i just i just put something down my throat and i'm still hungry it feels like eating plastic okay on the whole it's just drifted so far away from what iron man was that i just don't care about them yet i found the flash really fun because it was it felt like a bill and ted type movie at times it was off the wall bonkers and i don't really particularly give a shit about special effects whether they're good or bad you know i can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it so i wasn't like revolted by the the special effects of the flash i just thought you know it's funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that so i went to the madam web not really giving a fuck about the genre but i wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from the dakota johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition and i think people had the film's cards marked at that stage and uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played it out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire. But Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to it. <laughs> was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Kathy was pushing back and... I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Catty here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I liked Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. (laughs) 